0: Welcome back everyone to another episode of Thanos to Theos, a podcast for youth and student workers committed to reaching teens with the gospel, featuring conversations ranging from comics and culture to theology and ministry. We're a part of the Rooted Family, of podcasts, which includes Ask Alice, the Rooted Parent podcast, the Rooted Youth Ministry podcast, and the Rooted Conference podcast for all conference content. Rooted is a ministry focused on advancing gospel-centered youth ministry, so if you want to learn more, check out the website www.rootedministry.com. I'm one of your hosts, Clark Phobes, and here are my co-hosts. I'm Mike McGarry. And I'm Kevin Yee. And we thank you for tuning in to this new season, it seems, (laughs) of our Thanos to Theos podcast, although we don't do seasons. What? But we've been on hiatus for long enough that it feels like a new season. (laughs) (laughs) We apologize for not doing better like we promised in the new year. Uh, We we had like two podcasts in a row, two episodes in a row, and then we just kind of fell off the map. Um, so hey, if you've life happens, right? Life happens, life happens, <laughs> lots of life. So if you completely fell off the map and you're not even following us anymore, um, and we I miss you back in, we, we miss you. Come back, <laughs> come back. We missed ourselves and we miss you. <laughs> Part of that hiatus, though, was warranted because if you think about it, so much of our podcast, as much as we are comics in general and theology in general, we tend to follow the trends of the mcu um and let's just be honest we are mcu hype boys it's Um, true we don't really pay attention to dc we tried in the (laughs) beginning and i'm just gonna be honest about it we like we missed the batman we didn't talk about peacemaker we're not talking about any of the other stuff going on in dceu (laughs) and warner brothers right now even though all that happened but we're mcu fanboys and so there was a hiatus from the mcu and there was a long stretch without any new MCU content, which was weird, because for almost a year straight, it just felt like we had something every week with Disney Plus and movies. And so now we're back, because the show Moon Knight is set to wrap up, and at the time of this recording, uh, we are just after the fifth episode that's launched, that's dropped, and we're here to talk about the show, give some overall... Okay, and- wait, so I do want
1: to apologize for the fact that we don't cover DC stuff, I know you guys don't care. (laughs) I saw the Batman. (laughs) I saw Peacemaker. I was ready to talk about those things.
0: Okay, I did too. I, did? I, I I did I did well, I okay. haven't seen any of them because yeah. I'm not paying for oh, HBO oh. Plus oh. just
1: to
2: watch. I'm not oh. I'm not doing that. If one of our listeners wants to pay my HBO <laughs> Plus fee, <laughs> HBO. that's oh fine. But I'm not paying that ridiculous fee oh. just to watch DC content that I know I'm not going to enjoy. Or we can just. Well, how you know.
1: do you know you're not going to enjoy the Batman? Yeah. You can barely see it on your TV right like it's more of a it's more of a podcast than a movie yeah okay
0: so maybe we should back up a little bit and say i i watched peacemaker i was very skeptical but i watched it because i think john cena's hilarious he is hilarious and peacemaker was the most graphic mature comic entertainment media i've ever seen but it was also hilarious and I really enjoyed it. Of course you did. Of course Clark. I did. Right? I, I, should be surprised. I I had a
1: hard time watching it. I, I did. I was like, Of course you watching did. Watching it through my fingers because this just, it was gross. And
2: I'm a Christian who has
0: discernment. So I did not watch. So you have the whole spectrum here of, yeah. of Christian viewers. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, I was just like hard pass, easy call. It it it's definitely not one that I think is youth ministry friendly. If we can yeah,
1: it's, you're teams. not going to watch it with your students. No, or no. encourage your students to watch it, or talk about no. it with them. Yeah, I would definitely say it's it's definitely a hard M. And yes, yeah, I would not recommend people watch it.
0: It was that, funny the, though. But it was it was very funny. John had, Cena's yeah. hilarious. John Cena's hilarious. Yeah. The Batman, Kevin. I know you. You're the the lone Batman fan I loved, here. I love Batman, but it was too dark for me. Like literally, like it just was the, the film lies. was too
1: dark, it, and then yeah. the themes were very much. If you read any reviews that compared it to the movie, uh, the serial killer movie Seven, uh, it's very ah,
0: apt. Yeah, it's very apt. yes, oh, okay. that yeah. is true. It's that very true. much along those lines. So. Um, yeah,
1: it takes the fact a that,
0: very dark twist on the Riddler.
1: Yeah, so the fact that there's a sequel, they've announced a sequel. Like, I don't know. I mean, I'll watch it, but yeah. the, the Nolan movies have been my jam. Those are the it's standard, just, man. Yeah, so uh, it's just yeah. There's cool things though, and I there were things that definitely um, were interesting. You know, and it's definitely a different Batman, and I think you can have different Batmans, but it's very but for me, anything it Anything is too, too much.
2: Interesting is one of those adjectives that means anything. <laughs> that hey, means have you ever watched, the- have you ever listened to Thanos to the Theos? Yeah, it's a really interesting podcast. <laughs> like, uh, thank you. So, calling it interesting is part of why I'm just like, yeah, I really don't have any desire to watch it because everyone keeps describing it as yeah. it's interesting.
0: I think it was good but i actually felt like it was trying to be nolan's batman without but being different huh like Interesting. everything about it felt similar to the nolan trilogy like it was dark all the like the gadgets and the gear and so i just couldn't help but think the whole time i was watching it i was comparing everything to nolan's batman um and so i just for me that was just a bad viewing experience because it was similar enough but they were trying to be different. And that's where I just felt like it it could have been its own thing and it wasn't. Um that's just my take. I
1: thought it was different.
0: That's what I meant it by is. interesting. Like <laughs> it was a
1: it was a different take for sure and there were elements that were really well done. Like Matt Reeves is a fantastic director. There are certain shots that have stayed with me, but just overall it's not um it's not my Batman. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. Good enough. All right. We've talked too much about this. <laughs> Mike's like, let's get over the DC view. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So back to Moon Knight, the whole intent we we're recording this. Yes. All right. First impressions, new MCU content, after hiatus.
2: So you, going into the show, Kevin, you, you've said that you were probably the least familiar with Moonlight, Moon Knight as a character and everything. Right. So.
1: I'm interested in your your feedback. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So going in, I had the impression that Moon Knight is Marvel's Batman because that's the that's, comparison that I've heard a lot. That's what a lot right? of people say. Yes. And so this was delightful. I mean, it was just mind bogglingly amazing because Oscar Isaac is the goat. Like this guy can do anything <laughs> like I I, Honestly, you barely see Moon Knight, like the actual costumed superhero. Oh, yeah. If you take the five episodes and you divide it up into screen time, I guarantee it's less than five minutes. Yeah, it's probably less than five minutes. It's it's so little. I hadn't thought about that. But it is definitely, I think, one of my favorite Disney Plus series. It is as intriguing as WandaVision. Agreed. Not in the sense of like there's a mystery to unpack because Wandavision definitely disappointed on that on that level Uh, because it was definitely what the heck is going on like you know you're looking forward to seeing how the mystery is going to unravel. Moon Knight is not so much mysterious, but it is the strongest character driven piece, Um, and part of it might have to do with the fact that they're it's a totally new character in a totally new world, and I think that's honestly maybe what we've been looking for because the last makes it fresh. Yeah, the last totally original thing uh, Marvel has done is Shang-Chi, and that was so right. interesting, and there's a lot to talk about there. Um, so in that sense, I think Moon Knight has provided a lot to think about. And he's so different from anybody else with
0: his yeah. uh, multiple uh, personalities, uh, disassociative identity disorder. When, like, and even the director was saying that this is probably going to be the least connected MCU content in the MCU universe, like in terms of connecting to existing storylines and characters. So I think for the, from that standpoint, the director was saying he felt like he had a little bit more freedom to explore the character, whereas a yeah. lot of other movies have to fit in the timeline of the MCU. Right. Whereas this, like, you just kind of know there's, he's not connected to anyone. He's in his own like world of Egyptian gods um, and, and especially his own world mentally uh, as a uh, person with DID, dissociative identity disorder.
2: Well, and the character himself is three characters, like right. fairly distinct characters right, with right. Stephen Grant, Mark Spector, and Moon Mood Knight. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, it's a lot. <laughs> They're asking so much of Oscar Isaac, and he's killing it. It's he, incredible.
1: Oh, he's totally so good.
0: Yeah. yeah. He's so good. I mean, okay, uh, arguably, is he the best actor we've seen on screen in the MCU? That's fair. <laughs> I, I, I think a different, Look, Edward Norton a different as the Hulk, man. Of, oh, gosh. <laughs> just he just
1: gave a singular, show. incredible singular performance, and oh, we oh, just God, will man. never vi- revisit the glory. That I think Edward this Norton. is
2: the type of show that, honestly, I wonder – how much Martin Scorsese saying saying um, superhero stuff is oh, not snap. cinema. Right, right. I wonder how much that was in their head saying, oh, really? You don't L- think superhero content L- can be cinema? Yep. Let, Let us show you, what you, can you do. Yep. that superhero content can be cinema. Yep. And I mean, it, it is especially episode five. I mean, holy cow. Like. So oh, it's the Oscar Isaac and, show, and, and, insightful, yeah. like deep, profound. It is. It is a work of art.
1: Yep, 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 yep. I
0: totally mean, agree. episode five, like, just I didn't even think about it until after we were talking. How ninety five percent of the episode is just Oscar Isaac interacting with Oscar Isaac interacting with Oscar Isaac, like, and just the beauty, like, I didn't even think of that until after I watched it. Was just beautiful to me, like. Just, that just was how amazing the writing and the acting was for that.
2: Uh, so there's a few scenes of him interacting with the hippopotamus woman and a few right. scenes of him interacting with, with Ethan Hawke's right. ha- Dr. Harrow. Otherwise, yeah, That's it's it? literally just him acting against himself and with a green screen hippo woman.
0: Yeah, yep, <laughs> yep tarowet Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, so it's funny you mentioned even, uh, Mike, the Scorsese comment of Marvel saying this is what superhero genre can do. The uh, I was reading some on the series that they were saying what was the source material and inspiration. They were talking about the 2016 Moon Knight run um, by this writer named Jeff Lemire, who I'd never heard of before. Um, and so I actually started reading that comic just for some backstory because I was also not as familiar with Moon Knight myself other than just his brief intrusions into the west coast avengers um but they don't talk about his did that much his uh split personality disorder yeah and so i was reading those comics they actually have what uh, steven grant in that version is a uh marvel movie producer <laughs> and he's talking with his girlfriend about saying like i set out to do this movie about moon knight to show that superhero movies can deal with real issues um, I just thought that was very meta of themselves and the show to like take that thread and now import that into literal on screen.
1: I also think because it, it dives into a genre that we haven't seen yet, which is like the sort of Indiana Jones-ish action yeah, adventure. Yeah, That's a big part of it. There's a little bit of horror elements too. There is, um, yeah. I hope it wasn't too scary for Mike.
0: Yeah, uh, I was going to say, Mike, you okay watching this? Because this is probably the <laughs> darkest MCU well, show we I, have.
2: I was snuggling with my cat. Um,
1: but Lizzie really helped me get through it. <laughs> like those warehouse sequences yeah. where Kanchu was like sneaking up on him or in the hallway oh, in the elevator in the beginning when oh, you didn't realize
0: was... who Kanchu was like
1: creepy. Those were yeah, those are well done in terms of the, the scare factor
0: for sure. I was um I was watching them in the dark at night by myself because Same. I had to because it was such a dark show. And it was after my wife had gone to sleep and I was watching it. I just remember sitting there thinking like, oh my gosh, this is the first Marvel horror cinema we have. Yeah, really? Uh, it was it was creepy on a, on a couple fronts. Doctor
1: Strange might go there too. Yeah, that's the rumor. So
0: as we're talking about the show, themes and elements that are coming out or even just like dissecting the show itself. I know we're in the fifth episode and we have the finale coming up next week. Um, you guys have any... Thoughts or analysis or even theories.
2: Well, there was one interesting conversation. I forget. I think it might have been the second episode where um, Harrow and Stephen Grant were having that conversation about how um, like that like conscious justice is too late. Uh-huh. And so right. should isn't it more just and isn't it better to stop evil before it happens. Right. And it's just, that's a theme that's shown up in, um, in comics multiple times with right, you know, the, right. the Civil War Two series right. in yep. particular. Yep. Um, and it is that whole question, you know, even going back to the war in Iraq situation of, you know, preventive, um, justice or I forget what mm-hmm. they called it. Right. Yeah. But do you, do you stop the bad thing from happening before it happens? Do you, if you knew that someone was going to do something evil, is it, is it just to arrest them before they do it? Right. Or are they, are they innocent? So you you can't do that. Yeah. Uh, so it, it brings up a whole lot of inf- interesting conversations, I think about justice and about evil and how does all that work? Yeah. Harrow reminds
1: me of some of the more significant uh, bad guys in the MCU as a whole. I mean, that's essentially Thanos' right? Um, that's a part of sure. what he what he wants to do in eliminating half the world or half the yeah. universe. For the benefit um, of the rest. Right. And then um, thinking about uh, Winter Soldier and what Pierce wanted to do with regards to the... Uh, the, oh yeah, that's the right. The tracking system, right? Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, no, that's right. So the, I forgot. Uh-huh. About that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so that's that's been something in the MCU. Um but I thought Harrow's like his because he's a religious leader essentially, yeah. it was it was definitely more uh interesting to see him sort of develop um as a as a villain. So right. that, that's another thing about the show too. Like Harrow is not just a, a black Moon Knight, right? <laughs> like uh-huh. um, he he's he's very distinct and different from um, Moon Knight, Mark Spector, uh, Stephen Grant, um, and he's genuinely creepy, right? Uh, but then the the last two episodes, episode four and five, when he is the psychologist, like uh, there yeah, just man, they did such a good job with casting. Ethan Hawke is perfect in that role. Um, and he provides such a psychological, I think, uh, mirror to uh, Oscar Isaac and everything that he's acting against. But in terms of the theme itself, like you get a sense that he really believes this, and right. I think that's 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 a that's a really uh,
0: compelling villain. I think in the MCU. yeah, you mean Mark McGrath? <laughs> Mark McGrath <laughs> wasn't he uh lead lead singer of Sugar Ray? Yeah, <laughs> that band? Every time I see Ethan Hawke with the slicked back hair, I'm like, hey, it's Mark McGrath. I can totally see that. No, the Doctor Harrow look. Yeah, it, I could I can see what you're saying. Because that's yeah, that's the hair does. Mark McGrath had. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. I just
1: Every now morning. I can't unsee that. Thank I you know, for ruining it. perfectly thank you, good Mark. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> The
0: first time I saw it, I was like, Mark McGrath, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> he switched in acting. Oh, that's. Oh, that's that That whole question of the justice, like the interesting thing too, is we outside of that short conversation, we haven't really gotten any exploration of that since, right? Like the last episodes three, four, and five were way more about uh, focusing in on 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 Mark and Stephen and their relationship to one another um but that's just kind of setting in the background as like the the setting of the villain and who he is so
2: well wasn't there a conversation in the fourth episode in the tomb between harrow
0: and um layla, and layla? right 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 where right. There, there was some of that yeah but but i'm just kind of thinking by and large it's the focus has all been on this one guy and wreck reckoning between his personalities um like to me that's been the biggest question like even after My wife and I watched uh, episodes four and then even five. Her big question was, "Wait, so what's which is reality?" Like it's that same question that Mm Doctor Harrow mentions: like which one is real, which one is false. And I'll be honest: like after I saw, having read the comics, after I saw episode four, I was like, "Well, obviously, like this is just the false world he's crafted in his mind to deal with what happened in reality." But after episode five, I was just kind of like. Oh, I don't actually it's actually not so clear to me which one is reality and which is, you know, just his mental state trying to make sense of it.
1: Oh, you don't think that was the actual afterlife?
0: Well, so what you do you think guys that think? That could potentially still be in his mind. I don't know. That's the thing. Like I don't oh, know. Interesting. I took that uh, at face value. So is so I guess the question for me is more is all that we saw in episodes 1 through 3 or 1 through 4 even is that reality or was that something happening like dr harrow's explaining like he's making up this other life and world so
2: how would that work so after harrow shoots him in the tomb do you think harrow then pulls him out of the water and tries like reviving him then or like why wouldn't harrow just let specter die in the tomb so he could do
0: so I'm actually saying is all of what we saw leading up to him in the psych ward.
2: Oh uh, just a uh, whole the whole, yeah, the yeah, whole yeah. setup so actually was the, all... I, Yeah, Harold's
1: actually Yeah, Harold's actually a psychologist. Right. And Mark Spector was actually a a pen, uh, a, a mental right. health patient.
0: And there's a, there's some um, reasons why. So I'll 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 mention what makes me um question and then you guys can give your comments. There there were two lines that were said. One was uh, when Mark is talking with Stephen in the psych ward right before they meet to wear it, um He's they say, "Why are we in a psych ward?" Or maybe it's after they meet Toetet. I can't remember. But uh, Steven's like, "Why are we in a psych ward?" And Mark says, "Because it's familiar and we're insane." And so that kind of cues in, "Oh, they've been in a psych ward before, right? Otherwise, why would it? Why would that be the space unless they had it? because it's familiar." So that what led me to believe, like, maybe that interaction in Dr. Harrow's office is reality. Um, the other one is something that I read that I had totally missed. In episode one, when Stephen Grant walks into the museum for the first time, he's talking with this girl and kind of showing her around. And then he mentions the balancing the scales with the heart in the afterlife. And then she says this throwaway line of, did it suck when you got rejected from the field of reeds?" And then Steven says, well, that doesn't make sense because I'm not dead, am I? And so it's just this line where like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Is that foreshadowing? And And I rewatched it last night because I was so caught off by that. And that's legit. That's there. And it's legit. (laughs) It's there. And so it it made me question, is this either like foreshadowing that Stephen Grant's going to die like we saw happen in episode five being thrown off the boat? Or is this actually literally like being made up in his mind in Mark's mind, I guess, and dealing with how he lost the persona of Stephen Grant. like, So it just really messed up my whole train of thought when I thought of those two things. And so now I'm just going into the finale thinking, like, I have no idea what to expect now. Huh.
2: See, but then I guess the thing that makes me want to find a middle road is my affection for Tim Keller. And neither <laughs> <What? laughs> right nor left, always, he, yeah, he's always finding the center <laughs> way, right? Oh, okay. Um, so, so then, is there no Moon Knight moving forward in the MCU? Is this just its own standalone? Hey, that was fun, but now we just get everyone hyped up, right? Like, if if it really is just psychosis, and he's actually in an insane asylum, they can't just end it there, no, and not have. Moon Knight in the MCU like that literally would just anger every Moon Knight fan totally. and be such a tease so yeah. I, I don't think that's what's happening just because MCU so I, I, I feel so like either. there's got to be some sense of uh, kind of what I was I th- I think there's some some type of thing where you know that happened he got shot in in the tomb, and somehow is like surviving and in the like limbo or whatever of between things. Oh, interesting! Is okay. real. It, that's the, the the whole show has taken place in the limbo of him reflecting on and trying to make sense of his heart being weighed, and so, something to do with that i don't but who knows who knows (laughs) well
1: all right then i'm taking the the other view then that we're just taking this at face value and he's actually dead and he will be resurrected that's what i think is going on a la black panther because they mentioned so that's what I'm he, thinking, they do because that, they mention right? the astral plane yeah right yeah. as, a, as a reality of the afterlife which yeah. is well, again, right. I also yeah. think that's really interesting too is that Marvel actually I think they're going to balance out the the magical spiritual stuff by just saying there's multiple magical spiritual realities which I right. thought was a really interesting way for them to deal with the fact that Black Panther deals specifically with the afterlife yeah. in ways that make you question well so if you die in a place that's outside of Wakanda do you make it to the ans- yeah, ancestral plane, ancestral or, plane right. are you in the t- TVA, you know what I mean? So they're just saying, <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. it's just like a cultural thing. Like, you just go yeah. to wherever your culture says you're going to, and they're just going to leave it at that. But I was like, well, you could be resurrected in the astral plane, so why wouldn't you be able to be resurrected? Sure. After the field yeah. of
0: so yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, So, Kevin, so I'm taking everything at face so Kevin, value. We, we, so
2: we mostly agree. I just, yeah. I, I just think that what we've seen has been kind of his mental... Yeah, no rec- totally recollection totally. after yeah. being shot and
1: processing.
0: Right. And that's it's definitely possible.
1: So episode six could unravel all of our theories for sure. Who knows?
0: Yeah. Because we don't have and all I don't, the final
1: answers yet, but
0: I, I'm I'm I I would agree with you guys too that like I don't want to see episodes one through four as just like, oh, pull the rug out from under you. Just kidding. Yeah, that right, wasn't real. Right, like I think right. that'd be I would feel really cheap in as a fan of the MCU if that was the case. Yeah. yeah. Um But I think there's a way where they could do that and still explain that he still is Moon Knight because he has this consciousness of Khonshu in him. And so the more I've been reading the comics, the more I've learned that like when they, it's really interesting because it's all speculative, right? Of how does someone with DID deal with these personalities internally? Um, And so the way they do it in the comics is that there's this inner mental world that he retreats into either when he's meditating or when he's knocked out or when he's unconscious, and it's all the personalities interacting with each other. Um, and so I think there's one way they could do it like that where he's still Moon Knight and somehow he ended up in this psych ward and then he's going to escape or whatnot. But I I think more so it's more what Mike is saying. Like, I think this is after he's shot, he's in limbo between life and death, and mentally, he's wrestling with, within himself. And he's eventually going to find the willpower to, you know, come out of it and not die. Because um, that's something that literally comes out of the comics. Like, he pretty much dies. And then he goes into this whole mental world where his... There's four of them in, in the comics. Jake Lockley is the the third right. one that, you know, right. has been teased. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and pretty much they, like they all argue and come up uh, and come to this conclusion of like, well, actually our multiple personalities is what makes us crazy. And that's our superpower. Like we're so crazy. We have all these personalities that we can push through intense amounts of suffering and pain. So then he wakes up from his near death experience and then he kills the villain. Um, So I think that that could be how they explain it, but I don't know. I thought
2: that Jake Lockley was going to come out when his heart wouldn't balance and that they would go and find Jake Lockley somewhere, and that would balance.
0: Right. So I they ignored him. Where they were
2: going, yeah, yeah, because they ignored like him. When he was whole, banging like, in the
0: earlier arc, right. sarcophagus. Right. But I definitely think we're going to see him in episode six because now with Stephen Grant supposedly dead, quote unquote, he, this other there's going to be room for another personality to come in and fill that void. I think it's going to be Jake Lockley.
2: But if his heart is balanced, then I don't know. I mean if his heart balanced how could it balance if he has a whole other persona
0: that's locked away yeah that's
2: locked away and secret that's season 2 guys yeah, i don't yeah. know <laughs> so all right so if if there's usually some sort of tie in with uh the final the the finale right yeah like do you think there's going to be any tie in to the rest of the MCU clark you said that even the director said this is the least MCU-connected series, content, et cetera. Yeah. Do you think there's going to be any cameos, any other characters, or um, even more than an Easter egg? I mean, there's been other Easter eggs, but do you think there's going to be any other
0: MCU tie-ins or guest appearances in the final episode next week? So, I personally don't. I think they're going to wrap up the Moon Knight narrative because it's all been focused on Mark specter steven grant but i think maybe in like an after credit scene we'll get one very tiny easter egg drop in that it's still connected but i have no idea what that will be wait
1: so are we is this a competition are we <laughs> <guessing> <laughs> are, are, for are, are, are the we, sake of something? Is, is there anything is, at a, risk is there or a wager <laughs> yeah is, is this there, just a pride bet yes <laughs> I'm am just asking. Oh, okay, oh, well, I well, think it's, it's just a mistake uh? to see who's
2: okay, who's fine, wrong, who's wrong. All right, but all right.
0: Kevin well, wants think, like a good Korean wants a punishment in this. <laughs> <laughs> is there another bad I also know movie that we mine can is, make?
2: Minus once again outlandish. So, <laughs> so is there another bad um, movie
0: we can make Mike watch?
1: <laughs> no, I think we should make Mike watch Batman. That should be the punishment. Or, or Peacemaker. So or no. <laughs> He couldn't, he couldn't stomach peacemaker. I could barely stomach it. Barely. Even barely. for me, there were moments I where I hit was the like, forward 10 this. second
0: button a lot. I yeah, I did that a couple times too. Um,
1: I think that actually because of the Ancestral Plane uh Easter egg, I I think there will be some connection. Lecarat. I don't oh, think it'll was be part my of the Yeah, I don't think it'll be a part of the body say. of the show. But I do think that the post-credit sequence will Uh, feature some connection to Black Panther. That is my current prediction and theory. I don't think it'll be connected to Doctor Strange. Um, I do think that it will be connected in some way, shape, or form with Wakanda. Because if Moon Knight is going to make a guest appearance in another Marvel property, I really think that the only two places it could really fit in is either Shang-Chi or... Uh, Black Panther, and given that, okay, what you know, we have no why plan.
0: is that? Because uh, again, of the... because
1: of the afterlife stuff, okay, and the and the, the magical, magical, well, and not just that, so stuff.
2: which episode was it when they were in the temple in the tomb, and he had to make the argument before the other gods, uh, avatars, right. and everything, uh uh-huh. There was a um, a Wakandan there.
0: There so, was yeah. oh yeah 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 that's yeah, right. There was a Wakanda. Was. I mean, she uh-huh.
2: very distinctly had the yes. Wakandan accent, and she was standing next to a Panther God. Um, yep. And oh. there was some comment about like help you know talk to the other avatars and get them to release me. Right. That's what Kansu, yeah yeah like, yeah get the other right. gods to release me. Right. So I so think so that's the tag. Yeah, so I think I thought from that moment, as soon as I heard that Wakandan accent, I was like, "Oh man, there's going to be some Black Panther, Shuri, some some Wakandan, someone is got to come into play in this." And then when they mentioned the astral plane, um, or the ancestral plane, I was like, "Yes." So mm. that's, is it ancestral
0: plane. Ancestral plane, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. The astral plane is a different Whatever. level yeah. in the underworld. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, okay. which she also mentions. She says, hey, yeah. "If you see the astral plane, it's beautiful."
2: Yeah, so that—that's my. I, I think it's going to be someone um, from Wakanda, even if they just show someone in the Black Panther suit, but don't really reveal who it is. I wouldn't be I, I don't situation. think it'll be okay. Black
1: Panther. I think but... it's more of a Wakanda thing. Wakanda? Yeah, I think you'll hear like the, you know, the drums, the Okay.
0: So since you guys made predictions, I have to I have to at least throw in what I think it would be. I mean, I said I have no idea, but I had I have a hunch. So, I think there's going to be some I don't know if it's going to be a cameo, but at least a nod to his connection to either Blade or Daredevil. Ooh. Because Blade deals in like this world of, yeah, and the Midnight Suns. And Blade deals in this world of like the spiritual. So if anything, I don't know if it will be connected to the existing MCU, but it will tease what's coming. Future, yeah, yeah. And kind of establish what's going to come. Because there's been a lot of talk about the Midnight Suns and that like Daredevil, what is it, Daredevil, Blade, Punisher, and Moon Knight. I forget all... It's a rotating cast, but... Yeah. Um, so that's why. That's the only reason why, because I don't see him fitting anywhere else unless they eventually do a West Coast Avengers, but Hawkeye's on the East Coast, so I don't see that happening. And I don't think they would just... I just don't think they would do that's that. That's a that's a good pred- prediction. So, if anything, that's what I think it will be. Yeah. There's also and a because chance
1: Mephisto shows up, so... <laughs> always... <laughs> always a chance guys <laughs> mephisto
0: it's finally gonna happen <laughs> afterlife Gosh. it just makes sense balancing of the scales yeah all right so our predictions are in we will revisit this in the next episode briefly as we talk about the finale but um i feel like we there's so much that we can talk about in terms of the themes and relating yeah. it now to theos youth ministry because this is the most intense show we've seen dealing with mental health. There's definitely been that with WandaVision and grief, but this is like straight it's not grief. It's I mean it is in some sense, but it's it's just mental health. Trauma. And so trauma, right. What um what are some of the things as we're watching that were ruminating on and drawing out and thinking about for ourselves in ministry, theology, theos? I think the the first thing that I thought about, especially watching the last episode, um,
1: was just how well they portrayed the reasons for his DID. Mm-hmm. And that moment is like heartbreaking. I mean, it is like, I was like weeping yeah. as I was watching this because it was so just so intense and in the way that it was portrayed. Yeah. And I was just honestly just thinking about all the students in ministry that have like broken relationships with their parents. Yeah. You know, and I just started to think about that, even as I was watching it, actually. Um, And I was just thinking to myself, like, given the kinds of difficult scenarios and circumstances that our students come from, I was just thinking, like, as a youth pastor, I really need to be praying more. I was just really convicted of, of that because it just feels so out of control. You know, um, there's, there's like when, when the mom becomes an alcoholic, when, um, right. you know, like, like you're not, there's no sense of like, like you, you understand why that happened. You can see the, the pathway through which she would turn to substance abuse because of the tragedy of losing her child and just the grief and the trauma and just, yeah, I was just thinking to myself, like, how do we as youth pastors come alongside families that have had um, such difficult and, and hard things happen? um and i think the first step is just in, in in praying for those families um being there as much as we can um but just really understanding that it's it, uh, just yeah just really understanding that there's there's a lot that's going on in our in the homes of the the families of our students that right. we often don't know a lot about um, and just like how much grace and patience we need to have with students that are maybe misbehaving in in ministry or something, you know, and mm-hmm. not just automatically labeling and judging like there's bad kids, but um but really thinking through um, and and being patient and gracious towards um, students that look like there's there's something else going on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. It was a really hard episode to watch, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 it was it was It was yeah. good. Right, really, really good intriguing character stuff, but really
0: hard to watch. It's so intense. I mean
1: honestly, it made me I,
2: I was just like I, I honestly think that this episode should have had a trigger warning hmm. um, yeah for for viewers who have experienced abuse um, yeah. I wonder how they how do they process that um, yeah and how do they watch this? Uh, or those who have you know lost a, a sibling in a traumatic kind of way. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it was it was a raw episode, yeah, and as a, as a youth worker, I was just like, oh man, like this is this is really some people's lives. Mm-hmm. And some of the students in our ministries actually, face this yeah that's just really sad seems like such a weak and pathetic word for it
0: yeah yeah when I, i think similarly when i was watching it or as i'm watching it and then learning more about you know moon knight himself in the comics and this whole split personality disorder there's definitely a sense of like the split personality is foreign Right, like this is not. I don't know anyone that has DID. Um, I've read, I've read books about it that were really like, really intense, like this actually, very same feeling. Um, but there's a sense where it, it almost makes it feel like it's a little bit more foreign. So I think it's easier to digest because, because this is not a normal everyday experience, right? And yet, like one of the things that I've been thinking about is these different personalities were created or maybe they're already there. Like, you know, who knows, but they're there to cope with the different experiences in Mark Spector's life. So Stephen Grant is a persona he created to deal with. Um, I didn't expect this to come up, but like out of that poster, like Stevens grants, the one that has no fear. And so when he's in intense moments emotionally and he can't deal with it as Mark Spector, Stephen Grant comes out cause he's the happy one. Um, Mark Spector's the one that comes out to deal with like the the fighting um and the you know the one who gets them out of si- situations and circumstances and as much as like that's a foreign concept i like it made me just think like how much do we create our own or code switch into personas or emotions just to get by and deal with stuff um like when we face trauma or when we've had immense family issues like how much have we just locked away one side of ourselves just so we can either harden ourselves or pretend everything's okay to just move on, you know? Um, And you see that so much in that, that really powerful sequence when he's outside his house at at his mom's funeral. Um, And then he just automatically switches back to Stephen Grant. He's like, Oh mom, I'm lost. And uh, that, that was a moment that was heartbreaking for me because it just made me think like, man, in these moments, like, how do we, and how do our students and people we deal with, like, how do we almost feel like we have to do that just to cope with things that are so hard to face front, uh, you know, confront front on. Um, And that's why I loved so much of that episode of them balancing the scales was opening up to each other. And I kind of take that as like a metaphor of like, we don't have different personalities, but we definitely do lock things away. We definitely don't we try not to deal with things. I think it's especially true. Kevin can probably test this too. In Asian culture and I'm sure it's not dissimilar for other cultures too. Uh, like Mikey talked about in like hard Irish culture, like you just kind of don't deal with difficult things and whether we advert revert to sarcasm or humor or just like, you know, coldness because the reality of confronting what's so hard to confront is just too painful or, or even like, I kind of saw this in Moon Knight, right? Like if he were to actually confront it, how would his mental state unravel even more? Like that, I think that's a question they're exploring. And, you know, how much are we afraid to go there because of what that would do to our mental state? Because we're just trying to keep things together, you know? Yeah, that's so good. I know, know, I'm just (laughs) processing. It is,
2: Uh it is like the hardest person to be honest with sometimes is yourself. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, Yep. And, I mean, if I just think back to hard moments, especially in my childhood, um, yeah. it's just a lot easier to ignore them right. and to move on and not to actually deal with that hurt and abandonment and baggage. Yeah. Um, but how does that weigh us down? And, I mean, even that scene... Where Stephen was running up the stairs, and he could—he was like—he could feel Mark chasing him down, saying, "Don't go up there! Don't go up there!" Yeah. He's like, "Mark, what did you do?"
0: Yeah, yeah. Right. Right.
2: That's right. the scene in particular for me that was like, "Ooh, like this <sighs> just this gut yep. punch of yep. what did you do?" And then it turns out that in all that, Mark was trying to protect him, right, from saying, "Like, I'm not real." wait a second. Like I have all these thoughts and this whole life of memories and emotions and relationships. And I'm not even real. Yeah. You know? And then, and then Mark's like, I needed you to get through. Like I I needed you so that I could survive. Right. And then at the end, when Steven sacrifices himself to save Mark, then the scales balance mm-hmm. and just that self-acceptance of like, you were just a kid. It's, it wasn't your fault,
0: you know, like, Oh my gosh. Yeah, And this is where, so like tying it into the Theos side, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I like, I, I almost got this sense of his religious upbringing as a Jew his religious allegiance now to Khonshu. It almost feels like these were things he was using to like put on the superhero persona to run from it or, you know, rise above it. But in a way where he wasn't dealing with it. Um, so, for instance, like with his, there's there's that whole scene where he takes off his Jewish, um, I don't know, what's the word of the hat? <laughs> what's the term Kippa? for the hat? Kippa. thank you. Um, and we were talking about this right where no Jew would actually slam it on the ground, put on the ground. But I find it fascinating that like he, he does slam it on the ground and, and then, then he, he like pick-
2: grinds it in.
0: Well, and then he like, it. but then right after that, I-, I rewatched this. I don't know if you guys noticed, he picks it up and he says, I'm so sorry.
1: Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. And he holds it close to his chest and there's right. ambiguity. Like he's saying, I'm so sorry to his, mo- about his mom or about his faith that he's like seemingly losing. Um, but then even when it comes to like Khonshu, like I think hero is the one that says like you you put on this Moon night, like you become a superhero. Um, and this, some of this is in the comics too, to run away from some of those issues. And and I think this is where just to be a little, maybe I should be a little cautious with how I say this. But I think even in Christianity, we can sometimes use the like Jesus is my superhero to rise above it all. Um, and my spiritual persona to actually avoid dealing with things. Um, I don't know if that's something you guys feel, but but I definitely felt that when I was a younger Christian, like to just say Christ is my, my joy, I'm content. And it was almost like I can leave everything in the past, which is true, but in a way where I didn't have to deal with it. Um, and so that's where I see so much of this show like and this is probably me just like theorizing and not what's well, not actually there, but as he's wrestling with the person of Khonshu and his Jewish faith, he lost both now. And so he's stripped of all that, that, that was there to protect him from actually having to face things. And I think we'll probably see him take up Khonshu and Moon Knight again in the, in the end after he's the scales of balance, quote unquote. Um, but I just, I see that as somewhat of like a, as we're thinking about faith and how does that interact with all of our baggage? Like, we don't lose, we don't deal with our baggage by losing our, our faith, but a deep faith is one that brings Christ into those moments to confront them um, with the Spirit, if the Spirit is conchu living in us, uh, to not leave it and leave it behind and run away from it, but to confront it um, and not avoid it, uh, which I think, unfortunately, a lot of christians myself included yeah. can tend to yeah. do the other thought that i had too was this idea that so mark specter becomes a mercenary
1: as a way for as a way to deal with i think the guilt over what happened with his brother mm-hmm. right that's a part of his character and right, he even says, I'm just
0: doing everything who I, I'm killing is part of who I have always been. Right. He says that line. E-
1: exactly. Yeah. So he just kind of leans into that yeah, as yeah. a way to deal with the fact that, well, this is just who I am and this is what I'm going to do. And when he tried to kind of straighten his life, uh, you know, that's when uh, everyone was murdered. And then he runs into Kanchu, And that's when Kanchu gives him the ability to lean into that
0: even more, but not yeah. actually
1: to process, yeah, but to not actually process through anything, but just to lean into that that instinct, uh, which I thought was interesting, right. So Kanchi doesn't offer. I think kindness and grace. Right, right. Kanchu merely offers the strength to continue to do what he's doing, but just doing it in a in a correct way. Which is if I'm honest, sometimes that's what ministry provides for us, right? Mm. Like we have the this these these traumas and these things that we've grown up with and ministry just becomes a place where we can atone for some of the mistakes that we've made. Sure. Ministry can becomes a place where we can make up for the thing, you know, and I think that that's a dangerous place, but how often are we confronted with that question yeah. of, like, why are we in ministry to begin with? Um, that, that's some of the thoughts that I had as I was watching um, that that last episode. Yeah. I mean, oh, gosh, so so rich and complex in terms of, like, the things we can talk about. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, it even just makes me wonder um, how how many people get into ministry because they like that sense of feeling important or or a leader, like they like the fact that they can help other people, which makes them feel important. Like I know this was something my seminary talked about a lot in our courses of like, we need to be be able to be emotionally healthy, to be free from these sinful impulses that may have good desires, but are driven by sinful idols. Um, One of those being like ministry is just a place where people that are drawn to help people go into but why do we do that? Because we like the praise. We it makes us feel important, you know. Um so I think there's a lot of that in what you're saying.
1: Yeah, the past the pastor can almost become a persona mm-hmm. that we put on because it's just easier to deal with life in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and given the the church scandals and celebrity church leaders right, that's that what we've I'm seen too. fall,
0: like that's a that's a huge part of their stories. It seems. Like. Oh yeah, it's more prevalent now than ever. I think to be aware of. Yeah, and I'm just chewing still
2: on the lifelong impact on telling children who they are and what they're like, mm. and how that like yes, like what he what he was told by his mom and he was like what seeing his dad right. kind of passively right. agree like obviously he didn't agree and he he tried to still be there for his son but he never really stood up to his abusive wife yeah to protect his son um and to care for his son um against his mom's abuse verbal mm-hmm. and physical And how does that drill into a child who, you know, like they were just playing in a cave. Yeah. And to say, you were always jealous of your brother.
0: Right, right. I
2: I knew that you would do something to hurt him someday. And just these horrible, horrific things um, that then become embedded into our self-identity of how we view ourselves and who who we understand ourselves to be, Um. And then it's like I was always a killer. Now, as an adult, reflecting back, like and it's like no, you weren't. Like that—that that was a lie. Like that was yeah. not—that was not true. Those were words spoken by an abuser. Like that was—that is not who you were. But it's become how you view yourself and how you identify yourself. Um, and it, it, i don't know. It just how can we as youth workers, um speak truth over kids and over our students who are living in a whole bunch of different, um, and who are speaking false truths over themselves Mm -hmm. and who have had false truths about themselves spoken over them. And how can we speak the life and truth, um, and the beauty of the Imago Dei? as mm-hmm. broken and corrupted as it is. Um, but we are created in the image of God. Um, no, no matter how broken you are. Um, and that, that image can be restored according to the promise that is ours in Jesus Christ. I mean, that, that is the gospel. Yeah. And just how can we, how can we speak that inherent dignity, and the promise of restored righteousness and holiness and peace and shalom mm-hmm. over our students, I mm-hmm. guess. that That's one of the things that, as as I hear you guys talking, that's really striking me.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's that whole, like, the idea of the, the power of the words, right? But especially as it shapes yeah. and forms identity, self-identity. Yeah. Uh, my wife and I were talking about this because we had a youth student, actually, who she was leading and discipling who had had said, um, ever since I was a kid, people told me, you're so weird. And she said, and this girl was like 12, and she was like, now I just kind of feel like I'm just the weird one. And I remember <laughs> we were thinking about that. It just kind of broke our hearts like, because, because of maybe a few things or one thing she did when she was a kid, that was her identity. And now she was just owning that more and more. And so that prevented her negatively from being able to socially interact with some of the other girls, um, to even, like, share about herself because she was so self-conscious. Like, well, I'm just weird. And and just, like, even we were thinking about in our own parenting, like, the power of our words to our kids and how we're forming and shaping their identities. Even
2: spoken with a jokey voice. Right, you know? right.
0: Or even, like, in the, in the in a fleeting moment of our anger towards our kid, you know, where we might just say something out of frustration, but she, our, our girls latch onto that in their minds. And so, you know, even in youth ministry, like how do we, I think what you said, Mike is so good. Like, and this brings to mind Romans twelve one, like be transformed by the renewal of your minds. Well, that requires truth being spoken to you or to ourselves. Um, and just understanding more like who, who does God say we are in the image of God? Um, and as much as I think so much of our world and society today, I think they want this, right? There's this whole idea of like, be true to yourself. Um, don't let other people tell you who you're supposed to be. Uh, own your own identity. I think there's a lot of good, common grace truth in that. I think we're, we're often quick as Christians to shut that down and say, well, that's just the, you know, autonomy of the self speaking, but I think that's a good correction over what we saw in the past where people were just told who they're supposed to be. But again, we have to captivate that under the lens of the gospel of Christ and saying, well, who are you based on how God created you, values you, loves you? Um, I think that's an important part of ministry today. Man, uh, it's, it's convicting because I don't
1: think it's just words from parents as a child. I think youth students, absolutely, their identity still being formed. Right. So, right. how many times have I said mm. something in, a, in an effort of, you know, to be funny or to just right. whatever, right? Like, right. just said something dumb. Yeah. Um, and silly and not realizing um, the ways in which those words can land, especially because, again, my position is I am the person that speaks. Right. Right. Authoritatively on the word of God. And then here I am also saying, maybe, wow, you're so weird. You know, like, what mm. does that do to somebody? hmm And yeah, it's just isn't making me realize like this is such a good conversation to have and such a good self check on when am I most likely to do that? And right. what are the scenarios in which I would be more, more more most likely to say something, you know, offhand again in a in a joking manner and just being aware that I
0: have to yeah. be really careful. And I and so much of that I think about myself is I just forget the life stage our students are in where they're still forming a sense of themselves. They're really insecure, you know, so what we say really matters. I just kind of forget that because we were there, but now we're we're not all past that, but we're we're somewhat past that at least, um, and hopefully finding more security and firmness and identity in Christ. But we can't say that's true of every student um, as they're going through that themselves, so just the awareness of that, I think is helpful for me. Yeah, Mike, I apologize for calling you a scaredy cat. That's not really who you are. <laughs> you are a brave, a courageous
1: man. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I am It I means so much to me.
0: But you're really not. That was just a lie that you feel better.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I would like to announce my resignation from Thanos <laughs> to Chaos been a run, guys. Uh, All right, Mike. We'll you probably shouldn't
0: even join us on the Doctor Strange episode. It's gonna be too scary for maybe you. Maybe For the,
1: <laughs>
2: it'll be strange.
1: Yeah, you know what? Let's let's. Uh, yeah, Mike can retire. We'll welcome Michael M- M- S. McGarry yeah. to <laughs> Michael the <show>. S.
2: McGarry. <laughs> I don't even know what's happening anymore.
0: The one who has no fear. The new identity of Mike. I accept who I am.
2: <laughs> So, hey, well, we'll see who shows up in the next episode and how it wraps up. I'm pretty psyched for it because this has been a surprising because I don't I didn't really know what to expect. Me neither. Um, But it's been a really surprisingly compelling series that I've thoroughly enjoyed. I think it it might be my my favorite series i'm not sure if it's the series that i would re-watch the most yeah but in terms of quality and artistic merit and insight um i think this last episode is probably the best yeah. disney plus episode so far
1: um can i ask you a, a final question guys this was a big deal before the show came out they talked about the representation of egypt as a culture right right i feel like there was a lot of different things in interviews and stuff and i i wonder did you guys get a sense of that in the show i'm genuinely curious because well okay let me start i was actually hoping for a lot more egypt and a lot more like twists on sort of what we've seen in previous movies about egyptian culture and different things and for some reason I think because they hyped it up so much, I was a little disappointed. Because I do feel like a lot of the show does fall back on a lot of things I've already seen. So I was yeah. I was wondering about that if you guys thought like that the it mummy. was like Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was just I was like just wondering if you guys saw anything different from what I saw in terms of perception
0: there. I I I'm I'm sure they're there and maybe I'm just unaware, you know? because I'm not Egyptian, I don't have any understanding of Egyptian culture. Yeah. It did seem like they took great lengths to get the whole like Egyptian pantheon of gods thing right. I mean, even in the beginning when Stephen Grant, the gift shop um worker is talking with his boss, he's correcting her on all these things. Sure. Um sure. so there's definitely there was definitely due diligence there. But I think you're right like they kept Saying, "Oh, we want to portray Egypt in the right way," where a movie like uh, what was it Wonder Woman two or eighty four, whatever it's called, didn't. Yeah, 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 yeah. That I did not get because they were only in Egypt for what one episode, two episodes, and
1: yeah, and then it was back into the tombs. and it was, it in, was the tombs, in the right, tombs, right, right. Yeah. Like and they were only
0: like, uh, above surface for like ten minutes at most. Um, so I don't, I just, I didn't. Well, the series not
2: know. the series isn't over yet. It's true. So I, <laughs> this I mean, is true. So, I guess that's just my answer. I guess is I agree with you, but I wonder if there's something in this next episode. Right, that right. Guess we'll is see Is really what they were kind of talking about because so far, yeah, it seems like everything that we've seen is fairly in line with what we've seen in like Indiana Jones back in the early nineties. <laughs> right. You
1: know. So, all right. Yeah, just want to put that out there.
0: I guess we'll have to wait and see. We will touch on that in the next episode because it will be after the finale. And we also have a big episode coming on Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So we'll be talking about both of those in the next episode. I'm so excited for that. Oh, me too. I cannot wait. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Hopefully it'll be a part of season five or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully before that. You know they're called episodes, not seasons, right?
0: (laughs) They're only seasons if there's long hiatus in between. Yeah. (laughs) Which this one, next one hopefully won't have. Uh, Well, thanks everyone for tuning in. We appreciate you joining us back uh, in this moment, in this episode. We hope you'll stick with us, encourage us to keep putting these out and uh, enjoying Moon Knight and youth ministry and whatever sphere you're in as well as we think about faith and comics, theology, and life. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, please check us out on Twitter or Instagram at Thanos Theos, or email us with any questions. Thanos Theos at gmail.com. And again, if you want any more grace-filled, gospel center Bible-saturated resources, check out the Rooted website www.rootedministry.com Thanks, guys.
1: Keep washing your hands. latest Gators. <laughs> I was going to say, no, see you in season six. (laughs) (laughs) The latest gators. Thanks for listening to this episode of Thanos to Theos, part of the Rooted Network family of podcasts. For more resources designed to equip and encourage you to faithfully disciple students towards lifelong faith in Jesus Christ, be sure to find Rooted on the web at www.rootedministry.com.